What's happening, weirdos? I didn't want to do it my normal way. My normal way. Hi, everybody. This is a great one. Yeah. I love this one. This one was great. I was in a sourpuss mood, and and this show always makes me feel better. So thanks for joining us, and thank you for the comments uh, to the post. Oh, yeah. You you guys asked some great questions. Some of our favorite types of questions, which is uh, just like food-related questions. We ask each other those questions all the time. Yeah, we got to those for (laughs) sure. Uh, As we always say, the podcast is free. It means a lot. If you want to show your support, uh, what you do is you buy a Pete's Pick or Pete and Val's Pick, as they are now. Pete's Picks are products that I actually use or we actually use and we actually love. And uh, they're also our sponsors. So if you want to support the show, try one, including... Which one am I wearing? Ooh, Spaceman Ooh. with Moon's Me Undies. Me Undies believes that comfort. Or our Undies. <laughs> you know, in this case, our Undies believes that comfort is about more than what's touching your skin. It's about feeling comfortable in your skin. Aww. That's why Me Undies sources the softest, most comfortable fabrics imaginable. Express yourself every day, as I am with my. Uh, NASA sort of outer space themed ones with new limited edition prints. I just got my St. Patty's Day one these weeks. Fun. The, these weeks. <laughs> these weeks. Be- on this day. <laughs> <laughs> because what you wear on the outside should empower you from the inside. That's like their whole thing. Uh, we heard about MeUndies on another podcast mm-hmm. the, that they were sponsoring, and I did a complete overhaul. Mm-hmm, me too. And Val did a complete overhaul. They're incredibly soft. They fit incredibly well. I have their lounge pants. I have their onesies, mm-hmm. which I love very, very much. Imagine a onesie made out of uh, the ear of a baby angel. Yeah, that's with, what it feels with like. With fun fabrics. Uh, you know when you rush home to change into something more comfortable, as we all have been this year, uh, that's me undies. It's like <laughs> they pull the clouds from the sky and spin it into undies, socks, bralettes, and loungewear. You can choose from endless styles and sizes extra small to 4XL. I always like to point out I'm a 40 waist. I get 3XL. I wouldn't Do think you? I don't like them too tight, so I like to get a 3XL. Uh, Oh, that's nice. Just a little tip if you're a 40 waist. Plus, you got a booty on you. I got that booty, <laughs> that ass. Uh, they're sustainably soft, uh, sustainably soft micro modal, and new ultralight breathe fabrics are so comfy and well breathable, you can move free. Or not. It's up to you. So, MeUndies are the great offer for weirdos. For any first time purchasers, you get 15% off Ooh. and free shipping. MeUndies also has a problem free philosophy. If you're not satisfied with any product for any reason, they'll refund or exchange it. No caveats, no questions. That's 15% off your first order and free shipping. And show your support of the show. Go to MeUndies.com slash weird. That's, That's MeUndies.com slash weird. Also brought to us by our friends at Living Libations, uh, a wonderful Pete's Pick. We are a Living Libations family. They make incredible skin. Val just dropped her ring as she does every single episode of this show, uh, which always feels sort of personal. You know, I... I um I'm sorry. (laughs) (laughs) I realized years ago that I was being mindful about what I put in my body when it came to food, but I wasn't being very careful about what I put on my body. Buying shaving cream or face creams, that was my first, like, ooh, I made it in Hollywood. I should buy a face cream. Face cream? You know, I thought that's what made you look good. So I went to the mall. You mean like what? Like like Betty Draper put on? Skin moisturizer. Okay, lotion. 
but yeah. like in a little container. That's what makes it a face cream. Oh my god! I don't mean like an old lady like mask. Cold cream, not cold cream to yeah. take off my makeup. I mean like something. They're like put this under your eyes or put it whatever. Yeah, make you look young again. Uh, that stuff is garbage. It's yeah. expensive uh, just because it has a French name and it's three thousand uh, dollars. Doesn't mean it's not <laughs> linked to disease because of chemical levels and toxicity that was never intended for the human skin. So I realized I want to eat food where I recognize the ingredients and I wanted my skincare to be the same. Because what you put on your skin ends up in your body. Yeah. Uh, I started with their ginger exfoliating scrub, which is not only natural with ingredients that I recognize and it smells great, it works fucking great. It is the most badass gritty, which is what you want in an exfoliant exfoliating scrub I've ever found. I use their best skin ever moisturizer before bed. Val does too. Mm-hmm. Smells great, feels great, gets your skin looking great, and it's stuff you recognize. These are plant extracts and oils that you will recognize. There's nothing in there uh, that you know has seven numbers in it and you need a periodic table to decipher what it is. It's real stuff from the earth. But whatever you're using, for your skin, for your face, for your body, for your eyes, your teeth, even babies, Living Libations has a premium, natural, and wonderful product to replace the chemical random nightmare that they sell you at 7-Eleven. So go to livinglibations.com and use promo code WEIRD for 20% off, which is pretty sweet, Uh, and show your support of the show. Livinglibations.com, promo code WEIRD for 20% off. Last but not least, uh, baby Leela is with her nanny right now, the wonderful Iris. Uh, so we know yeah. being a parent is hard, yeah. especially during the quarantine. Getting your mask, getting in the car for your five minutes of free time and using that five minutes of free time to go to the grocery store, to feel unsure, uh, just to get diapers that you're going to need to go again in four days and again in four days and again in four days because you never know when the baby's going to have a blowout, which is exactly what it sounds like. It's when poo-poo goes Jumanji. (laughs) (laughs) Finding a diaper that is absorbent and soft without spending a fortune should not be hard. It's always a losing battle for your wallet when you're trying to get what best for your baby but not break your budget and that's where hello bello comes in you know if you're a parent you're gonna need diapers or in leela's case you're gonna need pull-up pants so get those diapers delivered automatically with hello bello co-founded by Kristen bell and dax shepherd hello bello is built on the simple idea that babies deserve the best which is why they offer premium baby products at affordable prices Their diaper bundling service lets you choose from over 20 different fun rotating designs. It's so fun to choose these designs. And, and it helps get them in. And get then, them on. yeah, we we have such a hard time getting Leela dressed in any way. But to be able to be like, do you want the bugs or the fruit? She yeah. loves to she have has that a preference. element of choice. And every bundle comes with seven packs of diapers, four packs of plant-based wipes, and even one full-size product freebie with your first order. Just head over to hellobello.com slash weird to build your bundle, and Hello Bello will send you diapers on a cadence that works for you. <laughs> what? On a cadence. Like if you want them every month, every oh, week. Oh, yeah, 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 sure. <laughs> Plus, Plus the shipping is free. <laughs> I didn't want to feel like I was taking over uh, the reads here. <laughs> you are, though, and you sh- as you should be. Yeah, the shipping is free. Cancel anytime, no gotchas. Get their super soft, super absorbent, and super affordable diapers delivered right to your door from Hello Bello. Right now, if you go to... HelloBello.com slash weird. You'll get 25% off your diaper bundle order. See, I couldn't do it. Yeah. That's a huge bang for your buck and a lot of potential blowout saves. 
that's hellobello.com slash weird and that's all I'm allowed to say (laughs) with 25% off your order plus get 15% off any add-ons like vitamins or wipes don't forget (laughs) that's hellobello.com slash weird and show your support of this always free podcast alright guys thank you so much for the questions thank you for spending this time with us our little satsang our little community it's helping me feel connected and alive and I'm glad that you guys are here to share this time with us Valerie, get into it. Not like Jane Lynch at all. That was just like you. Thank you. Get into it. Oh, yeah. Let's do this. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yeah. Let's do this. I think the mic's too too unsensitive. Oh, man. No, I think I got it. Just say it again. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Oh, there you go. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Let's do this. Let's. Hey, hey, Pete. Let's do this. Oh, yeah. Oh, oh, yeah. The big questions of life, which we always talk about on this podcast, is what is the phrase, oh, yeah, let's do this? Or is it, let's do this, oh, yeah? And you just happen the first time you said it to drop in right before, oh, yeah. But it's an, it's an infinite loop. So there is no beginning and there is no end. It's, let's do this, oh, yeah. Let's do this, oh yeah. Let's do this, oh yeah. But if you started, oh yeah, it's the same. It's, oh yeah, let's do this, oh yeah, let's do this. But it's all your perception, man. (laughs) It's where you dropped in. That's what creates the illusion of a beginning and an end. Oh my God. I I don't know why, but I hated that. (laughs) Oh yeah. Oh no. (laughs) Let's not do do that. Do something else. I'm in a devil of a mood. You sure are. You haven't seen it. No, I haven't, but you told me that. You're right. I guess. (laughs) You said that as if it's like he's been throwing plates. It's my waspy badge of honor that you haven't seen it. I know. You should be thrilled. I'm a white Anglo-Saxon and I keep it to myself. (laughs) (laughs) I liked that. Okay, good. I'm, uh, I'm warming up. You, but you, we just took a sauna. So, okay, you, sauna just helped. to catch everyone up with this catch very eventful last two hours we've had. Uh, Pete was like, I'm in a terrible mood. I just want, can I elaborate? It's like, it's like every day is a song, right? Mm-hmm. Or an album. But that album or that song has like a time signature. And it's like, <laughs> this is a good day. Mm-hmm. This is why people love the two-in-one, because the two-in-one sounds like a good day. Yeah. I met a girl. I got a job. I saw a dog, and it winked at me. It's a good day. It's a good day. And then... Hey, Mickey. Is a- <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Or you, you do doing that thing. thing. Yeah. Or uh, there's millions. My brother and I used to... My brother used to have, like, a theory that... That that is so, the two-in-one is so catchy that you could walk into, like, any crowd of people talking and just start doing it, and people would do it. It's but like, he, well, what is We Will Rock You but a two-in-one oh, reversed? Yeah. It's oh, a one-in-two. Yeah. Oh. No, it's the same. It's just you're involving your foot. Wait. Wait, I'm going to do that thing you do. You do okay. real rocky. Okay. okay. This is fun for anybody. Okay. Two, three, four. (laughs) 
This is not good. This is not good entertainment. No, it, we never claimed it would be. I know. We're figuring it out. We're basically doing what we would be doing if we weren't doing a podcast, but it's what we are doing. We're basically doing what we're doing if we weren't doing a podcast that we're doing. Oh, wait. It's so it's slowed, not the same. It's not the same, and it's slowed down, but it's also catchy AF. <laughs> well, I think a two-in-one on a very basic level is a challenge to the human mind. Meaning, do you do you see what's happening? It's not two every time, so there's like this like built-in pattern mimicry uh-huh, in, sure. in the human animal. Yeah. That wants to go like, I know how to do that. Because it sounds kind of harder than it is. I'm not saying it sounds hard. Yeah. But it's even easier than it sounds. Yeah. And you kind of want to see if you can do it. And then the group wants to see if the group can do it. Yeah. Like the way for anything else you might do at a ballgame. Yeah. But what I was saying. Time signature days. And then you wake up and you're you're in three. (laughs) You're like in three (laughs) twelve. The day is in 4-4 and you wake up and you're like a Flaming Lips song <laughs> or like a weird Radiohead B-side and you're like one, two, three, one, two, three, one, two, three, one, two, three and the day is going <laughs> and you're going one, two, three, one, two, three and like no matter what you do to adjust your mood coffee, reading something positive, trying to go for a walk or whatever like, I, I twisted my ankle. It was just like, I really just was in one of those days where yeah. I was like, oh, fuck, I started on the wrong beat. Yeah. And I'm in the wrong... Or maybe the best way to describe it is the whole day is in two and one, which is four, <laughs> which is four, four. But I started in between. So you do two yeah. and one and I'll do my day. Yeah. Okay. You guys get the point. Then I took a... (laughs) The only thing that's made me feel even close to being able to do this podcast with you was taking a sonobana. Yeah. Because it gets your heart rate up. It's not as fancy as it sounds. It's just getting your heart rate elevated. But I bet it... But I'm still kind of in a sourpuss, so if you want my real opinion on anything, today's the day. Oh, all right. No, I I mean, you can usually get it, but like today's the day that I'm just like... Get real. <laughs> like, I'm very, like, I'll really dish it out. I know, but also, that's arguably not your real opinion on things. Like, totally. You, you no. also, like. But it's funny. Yeah, but it, it's, it's like, it's, it's, it's the same enjoyable and it's, place you go to deliberately for roasts. Yeah. You basically try to put yourself in a manufactured bad mood. Oh, yeah. Where you don't give anyone the benefit of the doubt. And you're just like, <laughs> get it real. Get over yourself. You suck. I get what your whole thing is, and I hate it. I thought of the best Jeff Ross roast joke recently. Oh, my God. And I, But I didn't want to tweet it at him because I didn't want it to have that like tone of like, I know. let's start a roast battle online. But do you want to hear it? Yes. Jeff Ross looks like a supervillain. Who lives in a hollowed out volcano cake? <laughs> cake? <laughs> yes. Volcano cake. You know how the vo- yeah, you know, volcano yeah, cake? Yeah, yeah. I mean, hollowed out volcano, yeah. He does look like Lex Luthor. Yeah. Volcano cake. That's great. It's just another way of saying he looks like a fat Lex Luthor. Yeah. But, you know, as that Jeff is in every single roast, it's really hard to 
roast him. Yeah. No, <laughs> so, so, I mean, funny. I was really I mean, happy. That's really great. I thought of that on a I, walk. I, I wonder, he probably gets... I don't know if he likes it. I wonder if he gets tired of, like... Of course, his fan base, you know, we're kind of sensitive sweeties, although Lord knows we can be bitches. (laughs) Yeah, I'm a cyber bitch today. But, um... (laughs) Closing the door. But, uh... But because we're sweeties and we show our true selves, we have, like, the sweetest fans. Oh, it's the best. Friends. Well, you're just hitting on what Artie Lang and I would talk about. Yeah. Was... His fans know him from a very harsh environment, which was stern. Mm -hmm. So even though they loved him, they might be like, you fat piece of shit. How are you not dead? Yeah. And that would be like his biggest fan. Yeah. And you know, Jeff Ross, because you still get that occasional fan who is like, will say something kind of mean to you or something. Because like, I love hey. it if, like, Anthony says something mean to me or something. Yeah, like. or they're just trying to, like, stand out, be funny. Their their hope is that you'd be like, hey, that guy's busting guy's my dolls. Moxie. That's kind of funny. Yeah. yeah. It's but the you Oprah know, theory. What's that? Remember our showrunner on HBO's Crashers, um, Judah Miller, had a story. It wasn't him, but it was this theory that if you meet Oprah... Mm-hmm. You should uh, say something critical to her. What? I felt this recently. Where I was watching um, Jerry Seinfeld was on somebody's podcast. I won't say who it was. Not that I, what I'm about to say is that mean. But I noticed that the host was just agreeing with everything he was saying. Yeah. And I've been trying to get Jerome on this show for many years. I've written lots of notes. I know his manager. My manager knows his manager. And I'm not shooting for the moon. I'm not like, could you buy a car with a lot of leg space and let's get a caffeinated drink? <laughs> I'm not shooting for the moon. I'm just like, please, it would mean a lot to do my podcast. And uh, because I think it would be fun. Mm-hmm. I think we would have fun. Um, not that he would gain anything from it, but we would have fun. So anyway, I listen to him on other people's podcasts. And like, if now if I were to make a new podcast, Plea. Yeah, I would say I promise not to just agree with whatever you say because you could say something. Yeah, that I have a very strong feeling that the hosts did not agree with. Yeah, and I love the people that were doing it. By the way, I thought they did a great job. So it's not that. Yeah, I just noticed there's a certain Oprah ness. Yeah, that he could be like, write your bets down word for word. Write them down. Write them down and know how many letters are on every line. Yeah. You should know how many letters are on the line. Yeah. And, and this is an exaggeration, but they'd be like, totally. Yeah, totally. Uh-huh. And be like, Jerry, what the fuck are you saying right now? Like, that's the energy a comedian really wants. I think yeah. that's why he's actually close with, with Sebastian. Yeah. Why he's close with. Larry David. Like, I feel exactly. like their friendship is. What do you, what do you, what do you want about? Exactly. One of them saying something ridiculous and the other person and loving disagreeing. Disagree. When you see them together, it reminds me of my dad, to be mm-hmm. honest. Jerry reminds me of my dad in that you think a powerful person and my dad is powerful in his, in his you know, in his life. Mm-hmm. Wants you to just agree with him. Mm-hmm. But if you find a way to call bullshit. To be honest, I'm the same way. Yeah. I enjoy it when you call bullshit on me or catch me operating on a series of uh, fabricated beliefs or whatever. Yeah. I, I can enjoy it. I, are you, is that not true? No, you love it when I do that. I'm just wondering, like, 
and even like another comedian maybe, but I'm wondering if it is different if it's just like someone on Twitter. Oh no, that's out the window. Yeah. Twitter, as far as I'm concerned, is book recommendations, guest recommendations, <laughs> and um, I think you're great. That's really all, I, all I'd like to see on there. Yeah. And I'm very fortunate that that's what it is. And you can kind of encourage it that way mm-hmm. by ignoring the other stuff and, and replying and, and saying nice things back to the people and books and whatever. But the Oprah theory was, and it worked, Judah had somebody that became not close but like God invited to her house and would see her from time to time because when it was either a man or woman, I don't remember, but when she, let's say she met Oprah, Mm -hmm. she had just given a talk and she was like, that was good. Right. And everybody was like, like chickens. They're just like, yes, great talk. Yeah. Um, and this person just went, I don't know. It seemed like it was a little too long at the beginning. Is that just me or did it feel like it dragged? And Oprah like lit up and was like, yes, the beginning was a little too long. And now, not that we should be out to manipulate people. This whole story sort of makes my butthole pucker. Uh But it is interesting to remember that if somebody is flush in people agreeing with with them, Seinfeld, Oprah, then the way that you can have something... To offer is actually by saying, I wouldn't open with that joke. Yeah. I would rather die than say that to Jerry. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but if it came to like different approaches to comedy, I would have no problem saying that works for you, but I like it this way. Yeah. Yeah. That's interesting. I, I definitely think like the little experience we've had seeing people who are so famous that everyone around them just is is always yeah. agreeing with whatever they say. Um, it does seem like it, even for somebody like me who is such a baby that I can't handle like confrontation or feeling like I disappointed somebody, uh, I think even that would get old. Like you would just want authenticity, which is really cool. And I'm sure there's still... This Lots is why Neil Neil Brennan's friends with like Chuck D or something. I don't know if he's really friends with Chuck D, but like he's he's friends with a lot of famous. Uh huh. And I think it's because what Neil feel is what Neil feel. Yeah. Like Neil doesn't give a shit. When Crashing got picked up, he said to me, "We were at a at a little get together. Remember those?" Mm-hmm. And he just went. I would figure out what makes your show different. Otherwise, it's just another fucking show about comedy. <laughs> it was wow. like, I mean, like he skipped over congratulations and just went to like, you should be careful. Yeah. And I was like, wow, what Neil feel is really what Neil feel. Yeah. I wonder if Neil's an eight on the Enneagram. <clears throat> I don't know. That's a good question. I, I really am like realizing because, you know, nines like me, eights can be the hardest for us. The hardest people, but like I'm finding myself becoming friends with more and more healthy eights. And there is something, it seems counterintuitive, but you and I both can be kind of drawn to people like that. Yeah. Who will, who will know to do it in a way that makes us still feel safe and supported. But it's so, we both are just so sensitive and like could never be married to an eight probably. Mm-hmm. Um, or maybe, but, uh, but yeah, I just find there is something, well, you know what it is. The benefit of eights is that you never wonder how they feel about something. 
And yeah, I hear that, like but that I'm like, there, there's people, I'm kind of like that. Yeah. Oh, thank you. You're very... I'd like to be like that. Oh, you, you're the... <laughs> <laughs> oh, you're like that. <laughs> you're like that uh, so hard, and I and I really do find it comforting. But yeah. It's I, funny, that must, I bet you that's a learned thing. Not hmm. to make this, I, I sometimes overindulge in your grace and allow us to talk about my psyche, because that is... Everybody should have a place where they're allowed to talk about their psyche and get to know themselves. But I don't want to belabor that too much and other fancy words. But um, I think that might be lear- I think you might be able to watch that happen mm. over the course of this podcast. Ah. Because I started meeting. I mean, you weren't there, but I was so obsessed with Chelsea. Yeah. When I first was friends with her, like obsessed. Yeah. It was a joke. And then Neil. Mm-hmm. is is uh you know a part of my life and that's why it's not that's not the only reason mm-hmm. the thing i love one of the things i love about neil is if you call him he ends the call with you're a good boy oh you just said, and, and you'd think it'd be stupid but like you have these talks yeah. and you sort of talk about your anxieties you talk about your you know your concerns and this and that and and at the end, or maybe you might gossip or you might like wonder what's going on in the community or whatever it might be. Mm-hmm. And then at the end, no matter what you talked about, you just go, I go, all right, man, I'll talk to you soon. He goes, you're a good boy. Oh, <laughs> and you're just like, that's, that's so he's so, I, lo- I really he's so love sweet. that. He's so sweet. He's such a sweet man. I don't know him that well, but I feel very warm whenever he gets mentioned. Like yeah. I have such a fondness towards, I don't know, his energy or something. Which is funny because like if I, Neil is incredibly easy to roast. I've roasted Neil actually. He was in the crowd I'm trying to remember what I said about him. I said things you can't repeat on this show. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, but just, you know, he sort of looks like a ghost <laughs> you know, or something like he he's looks. A, he's a thin man. <laughs> he's, he's very thin and, and sort of striking in that way. So he'd be easy to roast in that regard. Mm. Um, but, but so handsome. But 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 no, I was actually thank you, because I was saying that to say you'd think somebody that is sort of, you know, he dresses pretty modern mm-hmm. and he and he's thin. So he doesn't look like a, like the draw me a warm person you draw like Ian Carmel or something. Uh, yeah, you know? sure. But he is. Little, yeah. little Neil shout out. And his podcast is called What Neil Feel. If the whole two and one clap was like, mm. when you were like, okay, that's it. I'm, I'm done with these fucking lunatics. Uh, try mm. What Neil Feel. <laughs> yeah, if you're looking, if you're just listening to this podcast because you haven't had a chance to um, look up other podcasts and you're really getting that's sick of so this. Funny. <laughs> you should just check out that's, Neil's podcast. That seems too too possible. <laughs> too we, possible. Too, please listen to this. And and uh, okay, here's here's some questions that you guys actually left as comments. Hmm. Who do you have in Godzilla versus Kong? What? Well it has to go to Kong. No. Remember you No, it's a movie. No. <laughs> I know. No, I know. Oh, it's a, you know? I, I see what you're saying. You're smelling a serendipity because two, yeah. last night, yeah, not last night, two nights ago, I had a dream that Godzilla was coming. Every once in a while, I have a Godzilla dream. Mm-hmm. And I actually even remember in the dream going, oh, cool, it's a Godzilla dream. Yeah. Because when I have a Godzilla dream, I'm really impressed because I'll, I'll often see him. Mm-hmm. I'll see Godzilla. And in the dream, it's like sort of hyper lucid, meaning it's not quite fully lucid. 
but it's it's sixty percent lucid where I'm like still know it's a dream, but I haven't snapped out of it. Yeah. I go like, how the fuck am I making that? Like this yeah. amazing, huge flames and footprints and stuff. Yeah. So I had that dream. And then we saw later that day yeah. a billboard for Godzilla King Kong, which, which, I, which neither of us knew about. Yesterday, yeah. And then there's and this Godzilla this question. Okay, can I just say, pause before we answer this. Uh, I don't really know that much about astrology. I think we're still in Pisces, which is what I am. Um, and We're also in the age of Pisces. Oh, we are? I believe we are. Triple Pice. And we will be for the next hundred years, so. Oh, it, oh it's, it feels like my age. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I know that that's part of, of it, is it's like when you're in Pisces, it's like your, your dream life is really active, and your yeah. intuition is really heightened and all of that. I'll smoke that salmon. Okay, so with that in mind... You had that dream serendipity. I dreamt about Maddie Wise. Kid Wise, Madeline Wise. Yeah, like from crashing, HBO's Crashers. Two nights ago, she lives in New York. We just saw her in the park. We ran into her in the park. So I had a dream about her, and the next day, maybe it was two days later, we ran into her. Right. And then, Which, by, uh, after she left, I told this to Lisa Gunger. I don't believe in simulation theory. It, in fact, I actually think it doesn't even scratch the surface in terms of, like, truly interesting... Real quick, because even if we are in a simulation, it doesn't address the fundamental mystery of consciousness. Yeah. So even if you're uh, in a simulation, still, what what is experiencing the simulation? Yeah. It's just... It's like a theory on what matter is that mm. doesn't really get to the core yeah. of it. Anyway, that's my one second... I don't think we're living living in a simulation where if, if we are, it's sort of uh, irrelevant yeah. um, thing. But th- one of the more interesting arguments for living in a simulation is the small world theory, mm. which is there's only so many real people. Mm. Like, it's like a video game, meaning some people are just like programs oh. and some people are actually players. And that's why you'll be in Rome and you'll run into Mark Schenkel, who you went to high school with. That's oh. because, yeah, because there's only so many real players oh, or everybody knows the same people. Yeah. This explains Kevin Bacon to a large degree. That's pretty fun. The, and there was another one. It's not as interesting now that it's set apart from all my other examples, but I got a haircut last night. And I Looks just, great. Thank you so much. I'm feeling really good about it. Yeah. Uh, and my friends. I trimmed my Merkin. <laughs> you had like a little stand for it. <laughs> of course. <laughs> That's I, what you were doing while I was gone. Yeah. <laughs> getting my hair I back. put it on a stuffed turtle that I have. <laughs> and I put it on it like a, like a kind of a. head? No, it's like a back fro. I can't believe we've never said back fro. Like someone with a, a hairy back is a back fro. That's got to be a thing. Yeah, um, it is now. Anyway, my friend Alyssa saw me because we had a Zoom meeting, and she was like, "Oh my god, I had a dream last night about your hair." No shit. Yeah, I was like, "Whoa, this is." I believe it, and you, but I mean, in terms of the weird things, I enjoy believing or play with the energies that I play with. <laughs> One is I'm like, Lila was having a real crap day too, and I was yeah. like. This is how the mind works. We build a conclusion based on very little evidence. Sure. I'm having a bad day. Lila is having a bad day. And I just go, everyone must be having a bad day. Yeah. But there's does sometimes feel something in the, in the air. 
I want to say that I, I will never see that movie. Mm-hmm. They always disappoint me, with the exception of Pacific Rim, which I thought was very good. Which I really didn't like. Yeah, I understand. I was probably seeing it... In a great mood. Exactly. Yeah. It's not like I don't see the problem, the problems that it has, but I, I thought it was really... It was one of the few monster movies that really captured the scope of large monsters. Mm-hmm. Usually... Size is relative, right? Mm-hmm. So if there's like a giant and then the buildings become small and the giant is giant, the giant isn't really giant anymore unless the movie keeps reminding you of the difference. Right. Between yeah. It's like Ant-Man. They did a good job in that. They're always yeah. showing you the relativity of his size. Yeah. Monster movies, once they're big and they're big, big doesn't exist anymore because big is now normal yeah. and they're on a train set, but who cares? So I thought Pacific Rim did a good job of I, I inside, agree. outside, small, big, water, land, all that stuff. And and good, what, what is this, a film review podcast? <laughs> but it, with, I'll never see this movie. I don't even, I, I'm not into it, but I would bet, uh, I would bet $1,000, Da Pants 5671. <laughs> Great name. Da Pants, wait, I'm Petey Pants. It's not an actual binding offer. I'm just saying, allegorically, that got, uh, that King Kong will win. A hundred percent. Because he looks human. Yeah. And because we have more empathy for him. Yeah. It's a dinosaur versus early man. You got to mm-hmm. give it to early man. Mm-hmm. I've, I like, I, I've never really, I think I saw one of the Godzilla movies. Like, do you ever sympathize with Godzilla at any point? I think you can. Okay. But it is harder because how does a reptile like emote? The only emoting for reptiles we have is crocodile tears, which means he's only (laughs) crying so he can eat you. (laughs) And then, like, uh, uh, you go to the zoo and you see a depressed uh, gorilla. Yeah. And you're sad for him for the rest of your life. Gorillas. We recognize our cousins. (laughs) Um, Is macaroni and cheese a side dish, entree, or both? Oh, macaroni and cheese is a truly. in the running as one of my all-time favorite foods. And so I would say definitely entree. Here's what I like to do. This is what CJ Radijo DJ said. CJ Radijo DJ, thank you so much <laughs> for this question. I'm thrilled to talk about it. Um, okay, so obviously love all mac and cheese for Christmas. I made an incredible lobster mac and cheese. That's true. That was a, a barefoot Which contesta. unlike... Lobster ravioli, which is always, always, if you eat one and a half lobster ravioli, you're already in the regret zone. Yeah. Lobster mac and cheese is good. I know that's not vegan, but I did cheat for Val's lobster mac and cheese. Um, So I like it fancy, but I also love Annie's white cheddar and shells. Oh, yeah. Or Velveeta, the kind that comes with the pouch that's just like a... I've never really been... I just I haven't had that much of it, but I love. I also love a craft blue box. I mean, I'll go straight for yeah, it. Yeah, Velveeta's just here. Let us add the milk or the water for you, yeah. and we'll put it in a pouch. It's all pretty nasty. It's all like, nasty if you, you think put about some it. Tabasco on it. You're going into like a flavor and an endorphin sensation. Yeah, that is up there with. A sexual orgasm. I mean, I'm just saying it's really, really good. This is what I used to do. Pine when and Crane. Uh, no, Little Pine has Little a good. Little Pine has a great vegan, vegan mac, mac and cheese. cheese. Um, what I used to do when you were away is because I've I've late I've done a lot of digging into my food issues and definitely 
comforted myself as a child when I was home alone with TV and food. And it turns out I'm still doing that. Uh, so when you were away, I would always be like, okay, what am I going to eat? And it was just always the first night I get yellow onions and mushrooms and a box of white cheddar with shells, Annie, Annie's famous. And, um, and I, I like saute the, the onions and garlic and then I put them on top and then I put Tabasco and mix it all together and you get like a crunch and it feels a little bit fancy. It feels like an adult mac and cheese. Mm-hmm. <sighs> it's so good. It's so good. I like that very much. I'm reading some questions. Uh, can I, I get a girl if I have anime stickers on my car? <laughs> it says from a, I think it's Fromage night? Oh, fromage night, like cheese night. Ooh, macaroni Look, and cheese. Oh my god. That's all I can think about Look, now. macaroni and fromage <laughs> night. Your name is Fromage Night. You have anime stickers on your car. You use four question marks in a comment nicely worded to a comedian that you follow. Um, you're gonna you're gonna be just fine. <laughs> yeah, you're a real keeper. I mean, I'm looking at his prof. I'm looking at his prof. Let me see. Let me see. Is this uncomfortable for you if you're listening? It's private. Even better. Uh, Even better. Even better. A mystery Francisco Moncada. I don't know what Moncada translates to, but I'm guessing cheese night. (laughs) And uh, the answer is a hard yes. I think... And I celebrate you, Francisco. You keep those stickers on your car. You have no secrets. No. On the scheme of things that you have to reveal deep in a relationship, I like anime is not one of them. Absolutely. And you know what? There's a great community, I think. Yes. Of people. So just find another girl who has. You need yourself that Scott Pilgrim girl. Yeah, absolutely. That's all you need. Yeah. I think you, uh, I think it's a really, if, if, really smart to put the things that you're into out there undeniably so that it can just go ahead and attract the same people, the people who are like you. Plus it's going to attract some great friends and some real good moments and stay open. Maybe you'll meet somebody that doesn't like anime. I mean, chances are (laughs) (laughs) just statistically (laughs) chances are, but at the end of the day, Francisco, we're all just ghosts and machines. So find that ghost connection. That's an anime joke. Don't, don't fool yourself that you're just your machine. You're the ghost machine. machine. That's a Pacific Rim joke. (laughs) Oh my God. I think just, uh, yeah, you'll find a nice, or is this person seeking girls? Yeah. I don't know. You'll find a nice girl. Invite her her to a a cheese night and watch manga. I don't know. (laughs) I I don't. Well, I was doing my best. I would say Eon Flex, but that's from the 90s. He probably doesn't even. Well, you might know what that is. What's the one that everyone loved that was like. Well, Ghost in the Shell. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, you could say the Animatrix might be kind of mainstream. Yeah. There's one that was like. Winter's Away or something away. <laughs> I can't remember. Um, do anyway. you all, this is from May, Maya, oh, Maya, Maya Richardson. Maya Richardson. <laughs> no, no, she spelled it S-U-N. It's like Maya Richardson. Oh, okay. <laughs> do you all believe in or practice manifestation? I picked this question because I've been thinking so much about this lately. Yeah. I really think it's a, it's a paradox, right? Meaning, on one hand, 
if you tune your inner frequency, you could even take the woo-woo out of it. Mm-hmm. If you're constantly thinking about, you know, how to get more of the color red in your life, mm-hmm. just biochemically, just, just physically, yeah. the way your eyes and your brain work. Mm-hmm. It's like when you buy a Volkswagen, you start seeing Volkswagens everywhere. Mm-hmm. So in the same way, if you're thinking about starting a band, mm-hmm. you're going to like notice people with bass guitars, you know, and, and yeah. you're going to see more flyers for shows and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. So you can take the secret out of it or the woo out of it. That I believe is absolutely true. Mm-hmm. And then you start to create an inner frequency Mm-hmm. And then that matches with the you know the people that I met early in comedy mm-hmm. were probably responding to a, a similarity of vibration. Sure, this sort of not fucking around, but also about their business, but also si- good at business, good at business, but also silly and and wanting to be kind or whatever it might be. Mm-hmm. We f- I found a lot of people like that in my life. So that is a type of manifestation. Mm-hmm. And I definitely don't think there's anything wrong. In fact, I think there's a lot right about knowing exactly what you want. Mm-hmm. I would set very specific goals and try to meet them. And a lot of them happen to the T, some of them within a year or so of what I wanted. Mm-hmm. That's all really great. On the deeper spiritual level or the next or another level, the spiritual level, there's this great Richard Rohr <laughs> prayer that he recommends, which is that you, you, if, if God's spirit, sorry, I'm using religious language, but I'm saying if the divine spark mm-hmm. is what's animating you, we could oversimplify that and say the divine is inside of you. Mm-hmm. This is what Jesus says in the gospel of Thomas, for example, mm-hmm. the kingdom of heaven isn't out there. It's in you. Mm-hmm. This is also what the Hindus say with the Atman and the Brahman. This is in pretty much every tradition. It's also sort of uh, back upable in philosophy, like non-spiritual philosophy. Yeah. Okay. All that. All that saying to say, if the divine is in you, if the divine indwelling is a part of you, the Christians would call that the Holy Spirit. If that's in you, you really want the part of you that is divine to do the praying, mm-hmm. meaning not your ego. Mm-hmm. Not your culture that says you should be like the Jonas Brothers or whatever it might be. I just picked them because they're popular. Mm -hmm. So the prayer is God pray or reality or mystery or universe. Teach me how to desire. Yeah. I don't know what to desire. Yeah. I didn't know to desire to get divorced. I didn't know I should want my wife to cheat on me and leave me. I didn't know I should want to bomb at like key shows, mm-hmm. uh, or sweat down my back. I remember doing a show and it wasn't going that well. And I looked and Lance Bass was in the front row <laughs> I needed that. Yeah. It made me work harder. So I, I would have just said, let that go. Great. Yeah. Let everything go. Great. Let everything just be perfect. That's, that's my world. Yeah. That's like a twilight zone nightmare. Yeah. We don't even know it's a nightmare, but every crowd just loves you. Everything goes your way. So you don't even fucking know what you need yeah. to become who you're supposed to be and to reach your potential. So the prayer is God, teach me how to desire Mm. and God desire in me. God desire through me and God desire as me. Yeah. So the universe is made of desire Mm -hmm. and we want to sync up with the desire of the mysteries will for us. Right. And sometimes what we're manifesting, I would say is getting in the way of what's actually in your perfect 
unfolding lawful life. Yeah. Which is going to happen anyway. Yeah. But the manifesting of like, I want to be the next Rachel Ray, Mm -hmm. just because you don't even realize this, but your mom and you are, you're estranged, but the only thing you used to agree on was Rachel Ray when you were little and you don't even remember that, but that's really why you want that. So it's not actually clean. It's this like psychologically gritty subconscious desire based on fame and, and money and being known and, and maybe my mom will love me. And that, that might not even be right. Yeah. Maybe you're supposed to do something completely out, uh, different. So when it comes to manifesting, I like to ask for the mystery, capital M mystery, to desire in me, through me, and as me. And you try and clean your slate, clean slate, as much as a Batman reference, as much as you can. Uh, and then you have a shot at actually not manifesting the thing, but getting out of your way because that thing that you are destined for is coming for you regardless. And you just want to stay clean and open to it. Yeah. Preach. But the, was- first, the first part was a little bit more like if you want something, keep it on your brain and have single focus because that's good. Right. It is a paradox. I, I would agree with all of that. That's so well put. And it is interesting because we actually, we have been talking about this uh, recently. So this does come up a lot. Um, and, yeah, we you do. know, Eckhart Tolle makes the same point that you just made, which is somebody asks him what he thinks about manifesting. And he he was like, I don't know if he said it this way, but he was basically like, it's not really about whether you can, but like, should you, how do you know what, what you need? Right. And, and then he says, if you ask almost anybody, some of the best lessons that they've learned and, and periods of growth have almost always come from times of suffering and loss in and Eckhart's, things that they would never in a million years choose. That's right. So Eckhart had that happen to him. Yeah. So he had the greatest gift that anybody uh, could receive, which mm-hmm. is self-realization. Yeah. And I don't just mean you're learning your preferences and your, your sports teams. I mean, really realizing the divine indwelling. Yeah. And that is the great, the gift, that's the pearl of great price, is what Jesus would say. Yeah. He got that, and he got it on the other side of a, of a suicidal depression. Yeah. So he never would have, you know, it's like, it reminds me of Jesus saying, take this cup from my mouth, I don't want to do this. Yeah. But then he does it. Yeah. So it's like, you know, I, I talk a lot about using the mantra, thy will be done on this podcast, and I find that incredibly powerful. It's not about changing God's mind, mm-hmm. as I used to think it was. And there are some uh, Bible verses that would support that sort of approach. I'll concede that. My feeling now, my intuition now, and my experience now is what's going to happen is going to happen. And I pray for the grace to, to flow with that. Yeah. And I think we talked about, did we talk about this last week? No, I, I talked about it with East Forest. He, he did the podcast this week. The mantra I, I've been working with mantra. I'm using that very loosely. Is uh, it's a it's just a phrase really that a Buddhist named Sono S O N O I believe a uh, female was using, and it's I made it a, re- a reminder on my phone. Hmm. And I'll tell you when I was in a real wicked mood today, <laughs> and and still sort of am. It was very it was very helpful. Hmm. Uh, it pops up on my phone, and the, and the phrase is. Thank you for everything. I have no complaint whatsoever. Mm. And when you're 
you know, a lot of people are going to, we're going to go to a pharmacy Mm -hmm. after this and see if we can get uh, vaccinated with the Mm -hmm. leftovers they're going to throw away. Um, And I'm sure that's going to be stressful and and just everything you don't want to do. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Uh, And it's it's, it's like, yes, thank you in that same way. Mm -hmm. Yes, thank you is the same thing, basically. Yeah. But saying I have no complaint whatsoever is really a motherboard. It's like pouring a Coca-Cola on the motherboard. There's just nothing else to do except be after you think something like that. Well, there is... yeah, and I think I did bring this up on one of the podcasts, but it is this seems to be like this nature of of reality is this constant balance of will and surrender, and that's a yoga concept too. And even like with the asanas, with the poses, you can do you can see that there are ones that are more about like high energy strength and and breathing into the pain mm. and then there are ones that are restorative and like don't push yourself surrender to this um and that's just like coming up in everything and so that's what i see with this and i i this is the part that i i know i brought up with the that i recently learned that the sanskrit definition of mindfulness is two parts the first part is the open allowing And the second part is from that space, after you've done that, um, taking wise action. Mm. So I will, on the other side of it, even though I am leaning way more towards the just allow life, just be a clear vessel and allow life to live through you. I also think that like everything, it's, it's a balance and you can or not even a balance it's a paradox it's like you do that yes and even while you're doing that you do have more um you do have some say over your your environment and so what i was going to say is remember i got really into joe dispenza yeah and this was all about manifesting uh he wrote a lot of great books but the one that I got really into was called breaking the habit of being yourself. Um, and it basically is the, the, um, I used to be able to explain it so much better. So I'm just going to give it a very simple explanation, but it's basically the quantum physics and the neurology, uh, behind manifesting. So a lot of the, the first half of the book is just like explaining the quantum physics behind uh, the, what is it, the observation uh, theory or whatever, where if you observe... Uh, it's called the Heisenberg. Is it? The Heisenberg Principle. I remember because it's from Breaking Bad. Oh, yeah. I don't, I don't know if that applies to the show Breaking Bad, but a particle observed behaves differently than an unobserved particle. Yeah. Obviously, how you do that is the particle leaves some sort of trail. This is very reduced. Yeah. But if you're shooting a particle at a hole and the observed particle goes through the hole, mm-hmm. but the unobserved particle, there's evidence that it goes around the hole. Uh, and that, and that's, that's a very <laughs> basic and maybe incorrect understanding of it. But that's how I understand it. Yeah. So, but, we, I, sorry. The reason I say that is because how can you know what it's doing when it, you're not observing right, it? Yeah. Is because if you imagine by going around the hole, it's leaving some sort of residue or some sort of evidence that we can 
examine. Yeah. Again, I'm sure if I said that to a physicist, they would laugh and yeah. maybe go like, that's sort of the essence. Yeah. And that's as close as I want to be. And uh, Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and I think there are people who are just into quantum physics who are like, they know that this theory can be traced to like manifesting and they hate that. So oh, yeah. there is arguments against it for sure. But well, yeah, people but, like me who have a cursory understanding of quantum physics and then sometimes use that understanding to back up, you know, the secret or whatever. That's yeah. probably the community, the scientific community probably has a word for that. Yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> I'm sure. I think it's assholes. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, but but it was very convincing to me. And, it, and he even uses the study about the people. They, they brought it up on West Wing, the West Wing. And I was like, I know about that. Where it's like the people in the hospital who were prayed for. Well, that even changed without, my life. Without yeah. them knowing. The 82% of them, the people that got, that got prayed for by name mm-hmm. without being told. Yeah. Because, of course, there's a placebo if somebody says they're praying for you. Yeah. It's one of the reasons why we tell people I'm praying for you. Yeah. Uh, but if they don't know and they were improving at a rate greater than chance mm-hmm. than people who were not being prayed for, mm-hmm. it brought to mind why Mr. Rogers used to pray for everybody by name at yeah. night. Oh, and I was just like, and he'd just list names. And I was yeah. like, that's really beautiful. And yeah. that episode of The West Wing, it reintroduced a certain level of humility. Mm-hmm. I think I was ex-evangelical enough that I was like, no, let's go hard Buddhist. We don't change God. We ju- we can just change our resistance level to what's happening. Yeah. And then you start to go like, but wait. The verse I was saying, one of the verses where Jesus teaches people to pray, not the Lord's Prayer, but there's another one where he says, praying is like, it's a really weird verse, knocking on your neighbor's door in the middle of the night and asking for bread. Mm. And he says, the first time you do it, your neighbor's going to say, go away, you're crazy. The second time he's going to say, go away, I'm sleeping. And the third time he's going to see that you're persistent, get up and give you bread. Whoa. I, I, I'd like to point out that's not in uh, the most rigorous account. You know, mm. Stephen Mitchell's like very rigorous. This is definitely as close as we can get to the words of Jesus. But um, it's in there. And uh, it's interesting. And I, I had to, I'm all about, as you know, those humiliations mm-hmm. where as soon as I start feeling like I really have somewhere to stand mm-hmm. and I really feel really secure, mm-hmm. um, that's usually when something will go, hey, dipshit, mm-hmm. maybe eat a cookie that has eggs and milk in it. Mm-hmm. Maybe pray for somebody by name. Just yeah. don't forget uh Again, East Forest, I'm tipping some of the things he said on the podcast that'll be out in a couple of weeks. But we always say on the podcast, I forget who said it first, but we're like dogs trying to understand the internet. He said, I like to think of it like this. It's like a superior race abducted a dog, explained to the dog everything that mm-hmm. you could possibly know, and then dropped the dog back on earth. And then mm-hmm. the dog, you say to the dog, like, what's the point? What's the meaning of life? And the dog says, woof. Mm-hmm. It's like that's the other way. Yeah. So we need to keep that energy, that beginner's mind. Mm. And we mm-hmm. can't even cling to anything too firmly. Mm-hmm. Because it, when you're really in the present, you feel the infinite potential of all things. Mm-hmm. I understand, you know, when you start looking at statistics and and patterns and history and all that stuff, it, it's really tempting for the logical mind to claim a, a reigning over reality. Yeah. But at the end of the day, there's always going to be things we don't understand, not just spiritually, yeah. but when it comes to, um, 
the Heisenberg principle. Yeah. Or right. Or quantum. I, I, I mean, like subatomic yeah. theory and particle stuff. Uh, particle stuff. Particle stuff. What I'm saying is, any good mystic and any good scientist has to have a certain uh, humiliation ability. Yeah. Humble ability that yeah. they that they go. Oh wow, we know so much. There's this really great movie I was rewatching this week. It's called The Last Shaman. It's on Netflix. I think Brad Pitt produced it. I remember. I think I saw Brad Pitt's name in the credits. I'm not sure, but it's a really great movie. Mm. And it's about a guy, a kid, a young man, who, just like Ramdas, was doing everything correctly. Mm-hmm. He, I think he went to Harvard. They don't say, but he said I went to the best school in the world. It's I'm a like, documentary. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But he wanted to. He wanted to kill himself. He was so depressed, mm-hmm. chemically, physically environmentally depressed. He felt like the burden uh, had been placed on him to achieve. Mm -hmm. And he had a lot of what, but he had no why. Mm -hmm. I don't think that's how he would put it. But he was on track to be a success in the society, Mm -hmm. have people respect him and like him, but he wanted to die. Mm -hmm. And he was on lots of medication, just as anybody would be if you go and tell your doctor that's how you're feeling. Mm -hmm. And I understand that that works for a lot of people, and I don't want to single-handedly brush that aside. I know people that that's changed their life. Um, I believe Neil uh, Brennan, who we were talking about earlier, he had the right... uh, He found his right medicine. I'm not... Listen to his episode for more details on that. Mm Mm-hmm. His second episode. Anyway, this kid ends up going to the to Venezuela. He goes to South America, mm-hmm. and he does ayahuasca with the kookiest kid. It's a great hero's journey. Mm. He meets like a Han Solo. He meets like I don't want to spoil it, but he ends up doing ayahuasca not just the way that dot um, com people and I, I. I'm not putting that down, but you and I, because we live in L.A could probably book an ayahuasca ceremony this weekend Mm -hmm. and go to Malibu and do it in robes, and it would be great. Mm -hmm. He went, like, where I went when I was a kid, like, no roads, on a boat, to a real shaman, like people that the the plant ayahuasca chose when they were kids to become shamans, like real shamans. But they're modern shamans. They're wearing T-shirts and stuff. Mm -hmm. They're not that old. It's It sort of breaks a lot of stereotypes. Wow. And I won't spoil the movie, but by virtue of the movie existing, I think you can probably tell mm-hmm. that it was a life-changing experience. Yeah. And um, I think I got on that to say that those encounters... I mean, just look at traveling. When, when we have such a, a mindset in the West, and then you go to Sweden, mm-hmm. and you're just like... They're just not hung up about the same things that we are. And they have all these other hung up. Meaning, never forget that you are a product of a system. And in that, it goes back to the manifesting question. We don't know what's going on. This is why I brought it up. His dad, thank you. Sorry, thanks for that patience, everybody. (laughs) His dad got his son, because he was like a connected guy, Mm -hmm. in with the head of the hospital associated with Harvard. I forget what it's called. It's not Dana-Farber, but it's something like that. Mm -hmm. It's like a incredible mental health hospital Mm -hmm. best in the country got him like admitted into it he got him treated there okay so by the guy who's like writing the book on what mental health is now Mm. and that guy 
was like, we know less than 1% about what the brain is doing. He's like, I'm telling you, we don't know shit. Wow. And this is one of the reasons why they they still listen to Gary Gullman on this podcast uh, for more on shock treatment. But this is one of the reasons why we still do shock treatment. Mm. And and this kid did shock treatment. Mm. And some people have success with shock treatment. And what is shock treatment if, uh, guess what? We still don't know what the fuck we're doing, but if you pour a can of Orange Crush on your hard drive, when you reboot it up, sometimes the sad part is not there. Yeah, it's Control-Alt-Delete. It's control and that's what they say. It's like rebooting your computer. Uh. But I really appreciate, just as I appreciate uh, Krishna Das comes to mind, there are a lot of spiritual teachers, Richard Rohr comes to mind, that maintain a lot of theology and a lot of devotion, meaning practices and ideas and and images and people and teachers that they love and tune their heart to, mm-hmm. and that serves them. And if you really catch them in the present and try to corner them anywhere, mm-hmm. they're pretty ready to go, I don't know. Yeah. Not only do I not know and sort of like, I don't know, but they're like, I don't, oh my God, I don't know. Yeah. And that's the dog saying the, the meaning of life is bark. Yeah. And they're going, I heard bark, but like at the end of the day, what's a dog? Yeah. What am I? What's a spaceship? What's the human brain? Yeah. And, and the Heisenberg principle is a nice reminder that, that mystery is the deeper we go, the more questions we have. And that's not to discourage us. That's to say like, wow, we're all sort of in the same boat. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, no, I think that manifesting often is a very um, clever trick of your mind and your ego to keep you over-identifying with... It's like a trick of your ego to keep you over-identifying with your ego. Not always, but sometimes. Right. Often. I've seen people use it that way. And it's... Or, and or, it's a trick of your mind to think that you have any kind of control over reality. Yeah. I'd like to redact what I said. I've done it that way. Not just thought I observed it, but I've done that. Yeah, absolutely. From the ego, yeah. Oh, absolutely. Um, I don't think it's bad to do what I was going to say about breaking the habit of being yourself. The, the, I, I don't really, I kind of feel bad because when I read that book, I recommended it to everyone and these meditations that you do, which is kind of like hypnosis where he literally is like, you you deal with a thought that you have and then you say change mm. and like say it pretty hard to yourself mm-hmm. and and then you just keep saying change and, and like at this point I am so I've gone so the other way where you're like it's like that's just resistance and that's going to make you be really hard on that part of yourself and and why does that part of yourself exist now and just like mm. nurture it and love it that's the only way you well, know that's what it, when i was feeling some real rage today just inside i always say that i want to make sure everybody knows i'm still a good boy mm-hmm. but i was feeling very overwhelmed because mm-hmm. uh leela didn't want to nap and she was really having a meltdown because she wanted you and you were working and she wouldn't let me touch her and i had a moment where you're just and i said what you would say mm-hmm. what you've helped me learn to say which is like, come on in. You're yeah. the visitor. Yeah. Have some tea. Like I literally said, have, have some tea. Mm. You're welcome here. Yeah. And it had no idea what to do with that. And it sort of just sort of slumped and was like, thank you. <laughs> yeah. 
But to the change thing, that's what I use Lord have mercy for. Again, I know it's religious language, but it's the same sort of thing. Mm. I catch myself, what, whatever you want. Uh, you see somebody playing the guitar on the subway, and then you look at them, and it's like he looks like some raggy kid you or some yeasty-looking kid you went to college with. These are judgments. That's the point. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then your brain goes, of course, guys like Tyler end up like that and then your brain and when that happens I don't go change yeah but I do say Lord have mercy which is that which is doing the changing Mm. and what is God except perpetual change Mm -hmm. meaning the agent of all change yeah the animator of reality and reality is change yeah you say you I am willing to be changed. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to lock this door. Mm-hmm. This, in fact, I want to take this door off the hinges and I can't do it, mm-hmm. but I can, I try to stay soft and say, I would like that sort of mechanism yeah. disabled. Yeah. But one of the things I like about the Christian tradition and there are other words for it in other faiths is the idea of grace is like, I can't do it. Yeah. It doesn't mean I, I stop, but I'm like, there's a programming that's pretty deep here that I would like some help. Um, in fixing. Yeah. I I think there's... Oh, there's so much I want to say all of a sudden. It's, well, I think, I think that that's just a different form of treating it with kindness or introducing kindness. Um, because what's kinder than grace? Uh, so I think that's really lovely. I think it really works for um, people with your kind of... your set you know, personality and beliefs of where there could be maybe like a pride position of like, I, I know the truth and this guy is an asshole or whatever. Yeah. Uh, and, but there, but for people like me who I can't do this by myself is one of my core negative beliefs. And that's how I feel about everything. Oh, that's interesting. It's it's again, one of our differences. Yeah. Is I'm coming at it like, I'm too sure of myself. Please soften me. Yeah. And you're worried that you're too soft and you're saying like, no, I want to take agency. Is that correct? Yeah. Or it's more just like, not like taking the opposite position, but just going at it from a a different door, which is the kindness of it. So Mm. being like, you know, I think something rude about somebody and just being like, whoa, protector, you must have been you must have developed to protect me from something like, thank you for doing your job, but I'm okay. (laughs) Well, that's one of the, the, I'm using this without any negativity. It's one of the bitches of that power. Mm. So the same power, meaning the same uh, system of firing synapses in my brain that says, of course, the guy playing subway music for change looks like this Mm. or whatever. That's a fake example, but whatever is doing that Mm -hmm. is the same thing that's hyperactive when I go into a important meeting Mm. and I'm expected to be funny. Mm -hmm. And what does the funny person do, but sort of calls out incongruities makes assumptions. This isn't just comedians. I would watch my dad do this. Mm He'd see somebody in a Yankees shirt and he'd just sort of start talking with them in a really funny way Mm -hmm. and he'd know all these references and he'd disarm them and they'd become friends Mm -hmm. in line at Woodman's for fried clams. 
Mm-hmm. So like I get so much out of it. Yeah. So that's what I hear you saying. Hey, thank you. Mm-hmm. I don't want to lose this. It's what we're saying when I say Jeff Ross looks like a supervillain that lives in a hollowed out volcano cake. Yeah. I'm yeah. I'm looking at patterns and I'm kind of coming up with conclusions. Yeah. And people come to enjoy humor and especially from comedians for their conclusions for these like kind of oh wow oh he says it like he thinks it or whatever so we're sort of presenting the workings of of our minds but writ large yeah and that's the skill yeah and so i don't want to kick it out no and go get the fuck out of here i hate you you just go like man i'd love to have some compassionate boundaries where you can go like no, that's my brother playing the guitar, or or that's yeah. me playing the guitar, or that's a, a, a child of God playing the guitar. Yeah. And I, I wish I had that. Yeah. This is why, well, you know, a lot of these mystics and sages and saints aren't very funny. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Well, it's also... <laughs> um, Dun- Ma- in the modern sense. Duncan Trussell's thing comes to mind of, like, when, when somebody meets me, they're not meeting me, they're meeting my bodyguard. Yeah. Which I would only change to, they're meeting my bodyguards. Yeah. Like, there's just multiple different protectors protecting different right. parts of you. So, even if it, it doesn't have an upside now... It's like, well, at some point it, it did. You were a scared child on the playground and you, you like othered yourselves from certain people or whatever it was. Um, so it's, it's just about like bringing the light of awareness into whatever the situation is. And then in that light, I think it's, uh, I can't remember the guy. I think I misquoted on this podcast and said it was Carl Young, but I think it's like Carl Rogers or something. Um, that says something about the paradox is that only when I completely accept myself as I am, can I then change? Mm. So it's, it is just like accepting. Well, that's the softening. Yeah. The softening. And you're doing that through humbling and that really, I'm as somebody who knows you, I'm like, that's a really great method. I'm, I might more often, not that I don't need humbling sometimes. I definitely do at different areas, but in a lot of areas. <laughs> Watch as I brag about how much humbling I need. need. I not as much as me. <laughs> I, but that's fine. It's just, it's just I'm a Burt doll and you're an Ernie doll. That's fine. But, yeah, but I, I often need, like, in, the opposite. I need empowering because right. I can over-identify with my child self, which is like, um, can I get a grown-up here to tell me what to think? Because I don't know what to do. Yeah. Um, so. So it is just balance and nuance and all of that. Uh, but this is kind of going back, but I really wanted to make this one point <laughs> about that stupid book that I just keep mentioning, even though I don't really recommend it. Uh, don't, I don't recommend it. Don't get it. But this was the main point about the good thing that I took away from that book on manifesting is if you are like, I want to be... Um, let's say you're like, I want to be a famous musician and I'm going to manifest those dreams. You can ask yourself why you want that. What do you, what is the thing that you really want? Because what you want is to feel a certain way. That's always the case. That's right. So you want to feel creative. You want to feel seen for your art you want to feel cool. You want to feel admired. Like all of whatever it is specifically that you want to feel, 
then this is what the meditation was, but you can just do this on your own. Which, by the way, if somebody's yelling out at their radios, I know how people listen. Um, I want to be rich. Like, hey, yeah. you forgot rich. Well, that's a feeling too. You want to? I want to feel secure. I want to feel pampered. I don't want to feel worried. Yeah. And I enjoy um, feeling important. Yeah. Like, really get. Uh, I, I find a lot of value in this exercise. Get really honest about what you mean. Yeah. And, and you- don't be embarrassed, at least with yourself. Don't be embarrassed. If the answer is, I like feeling better than people, mm-hmm. at least know. Because yeah. introducing that consciousness mm-hmm. means it won't own you. Yeah. It's the first step of witnessing it, but detaching from it. And I think you can just keep asking yourself why until you get down to the core feeling. Right. So. If you're saying, I want to feel better than people, why do I want to feel that? Right. Because I want to feel like the world is a safe place. Or That's like, exactly right. Yeah. We've come to that on this podcast because I don't want to be the kid in junior high wearing an awkward red turtleneck that's candy red that my mom gave me that really accentuates my man bosoms <laughs> with no friends <laughs> punching a dodgeball against the wall. Aww. And that's my little wounded Pete. Yeah. And he said... Guess what, motherfuckers? No one's going to think that about me. Yeah. But you can achieve that. We, are, we always go to like, if we lived in a commune, I don't mean a sex group. I mean, just like <laughs> in a community that, uh, you know, at the, where was it in the happiness? There's a great movie called oh, Happy. In, oh, it's so good. It's, uh, it's in, I want to say Holland. They And they cook together. Yeah. And they, uh, it's, it's almost like the feeling we would get in summer camp. Of course. You can have these feelings in the microcosm. Yeah. We happen to, meaning in a small group, we happen to live in a world where it's like, you're not shit unless everyone knows you're shit. Mm-hmm. But that's a real devil to live with. Yeah. We were just watching the Bee Gees documentary on HBO and they were like, you know, everybody loves you and you think they're going to love you forever. But guess what? That's not true. Mm. And I was like, how many music documentaries do we need to watch mm-hmm. to learn that like being in a, a community of people, it could be a neighborhood of people, it could be a school, it could be a camp, it could be a job, it could be a workplace where you're safe and valued and seen and heard and appreciated is one for one as good, maybe better yeah. than playing out Woodstock or whatever it might be. We're all chasing certain feelings. Yeah. And guess what? Once you get truckloads of that feeling, which is what extreme fame is, like the Bee Gees, mm-hmm. it stops working. Yeah. And this is why you start seeing so much cocaine and so much mm-hmm. uh, alcohol and, and, and or, or sex or whatever it might be, mm-hmm. because you're like, this can't be it because I'm here and I'm not complete. I'm a hungry ghost. Nothing's getting in. Mm-hmm. So like you need to strip it down more. Mm-hmm. And, and it's just what you're saying. Yeah. To the feelings, the you, feelings you want. Yeah. So getting really clear on what the feelings you want are and then in meditation. So meaning after you've kind of like calmed your body and quieted your mind a little, uh, try on what that feeling really feels like. And this is the part that takes practice. At first, you're going to be like, I am a very insecure person. I cannot even imagine what it feels like to be confident. But like, you can imagine, you can do your best and imagine like, what would you walk like? What would you dress like? You can like visualize you leaving that room confidently. You, whatever. Um, For some people, visualization works. 
for others. It's more about just like whatever it takes to get just the seed of that feeling. It's like a gratitude practice. Think of something you're grateful for until you get the seed of gratitude and then imagining it expanding and Mm. practicing it over and over. And so you, you cut out the middleman. You just, instead of being like, I want to, I want to manifest this thing so that I will feel a certain way. You just practice feeling that way as much as you can. And then the argument of the book is that changes your, your like energetic signature. So what the energy that you are putting out into the world then, um, will be matched the the world the uh, universe will match that energy. Well, it's like the people I met; they noticed my frequency, and we were attracted to each other. Yeah, and you'll get law of the attraction kind of stuff happening. But at that point, if you know that you have everything you need to feel how you want to feel, it doesn't really matter what externally happens or That's not. That's right. That's right. It's always it starts inside. Yeah. And the people, it, it really is sort of like a fool's errand to want the outside to change your inside. Yeah. It's much smarter to change your inside and then watch your outsides yeah. change or not change. Um, but I do want to say, I'm not like advocating for just like, all like try to control your feelings. Like I would say, if it's got to be so much more gentle than that and it's got to be such a practice like do it if you have space for it if you're sitting in in meditation and you are overcome with sadness that is not the time to try and manifest confidence you need to tend and nurture the sadness first sure do it when you have space to play and when it feels like play and that's what i'm saying about the the both and you're allowing all of the feelings that arise to be just as they are and you're taking wise action to introduce and recognize that sometimes there's surrender and sometimes there is will like loving kindness practices and compassion practices where you introduce this new concept and you you kind of take uh some agency in what your inner life looks like yeah on the other hand of, uh, of this conversation, just to get a little bit more brass tacks in terms of like TCB, taking care of business, mm-hmm. but staying spiritual. I remember, I think it is in the Happy documentary. No, it's in um, Finding Joe. Mm-hmm. So there are two documentaries that Val and I watch at least once a year. One is called Happy mm-hmm. and one is called Finding Joe. And these are like great reboot movies yeah. if you're just like looking for some of that zest for life and a little bit of belief in yourself. They're great. Every time I watch them, they're great, so even though I've seen them over and over. And uh, D.P. Chopes, Deepak Chopra says in Finding Joe, um, and this is sort of manifesty, but I'm going to bring it back to earth. There's a lot of value in taking um, a mythic figure. Mm. It might be Jesus. It might be uh, Joan of Arc. It might be, I know it ended badly for Joan of Arc, but it it ended badly for Jesus too, uh, (laughs) if that's your perspective. Um, It might be uh, Nikola Tesla. I know it it ended bad for him. It could be, (laughs) what I'm saying is mythic. Can we get somebody who wasn't murdered over here? (laughs) Yeah, mythic could mean Walt Disney. You know what I mean? Like you can take just a larger than life person and sort of ask, this is the woo-woo part, Ask for that journey to be embodied in you. Mm. But I think what you're doing is, so let's say you want to be the biggest selling comedian in the world. Um, Well, you're going to look at Kevin Hart, Mm. right? And in looking at Kevin Hart, 
this is to bring it back to earth, you're going to go like, well, what did Kevin Hart do? Mm-hmm. Well, Kevin Hart hustled like like the craziest hustler, meaning just working really hard. I don't mean pool hustler <laughs> of all time. Yeah. And then what's going to happen? If if you have reason, you're going to go, well, then that's what I should do. Mm-hmm. So then you're going to go to an open mic and you're going to have the image of Kevin Hart in your bones, yeah. in your heart. You're going to be drawn to the other comedians that have that same kind of hustle. Mm-hmm. Next thing you know, they're going to inspire you. You're going to inspire them. And that's going to be your trajectory. Mm-hmm. It's the same thing. I, I keep thinking of when I was in the East Village in New York in the early mid-2000s, meeting Mulaney, meeting Kroll, uh, meeting Eugene Merman, Bobby Tisdale, uh, Kumail, obviously. These were the people that I was like, oh, we all sort of vibrate similarly. Yeah. And you stick together. And, mm-hmm. and you find... That doesn't mean they were always there for me. I just say that so people don't think... Oh, Pete had his community. Uh, Baloney. Like, a lot of the time, it felt like you were just doing it yourself. I'm sure it did for them as well. But every once in a while, you'd run into these people. And over the years, you got closer and closer and closer. But I just want to dispel. I know a lot of people in show business especially are like, find your people, and then they'll plug you into everything. I don't think... That's that's a, a good thing to expect. You might just get your heart broken. Yeah. Um, but it's a nice thing to not expect and then have and then receive and be surprised. Yeah. Here's a lighter question. Somebody said uh, Cheez-Its or... Um, oh, I love all these food questions. Cheez-Its or um, goldfish crackers. <sighs> Look, I love them both so much. <laughs> I clearly have a thing for trash cheese. Um, but I got to say Cheez-Its, hands down. And I will go at some goldfish like the here's what goldfish have over Cheez-Its the feeling of your hand in the bag so I like my friend used to just have the ultimate snack house like her mom would get like Costco snacks and so I remember they had like a huge like it was like a milk carton but then like uh, uh, honey I blew up the kid style machine (laughs) zapped it Yes. And it was way bigger. And I just remember the feeling of reaching my hand in just a sea of goldfish. Yep. Oh, so it has it has great hand feel, but taste wise, you got to go cheese it. Well, really, it's a question of how sad are you <laughs> for me? Because those are comfort foods. Yeah, cheese it's is like I'm going through a breakup and I lost my job. <laughs> goldfish is just. I have to brush my teeth again. <laughs> so, like, goldfish, yeah. I'd rather be in a goldfish place than a Cheez-It place. I would say for me, just to interrupt, just for that comparison, goldfish is road trip, Cheez-Its is Val got drunk. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's like a, I actually have a memory of one of the first times I was ever drunk, uh, eating Cheez-Its, and I would eat one and feed one to my dog, and, like, it's so funny to watch dogs like crunch because you're like, the, they yeah. make the same sound that I do. Yeah, yeah. Oh, now we're stoned. <laughs> yeah. So I was eating one and giving one to the dog and I'd eat one and give one. So I have a great memory of that. I also like to bite them in ha- in fours. Cheese it? Yeah. So I put the whole thing in my mouth. Oh, with a gentle tongue press, you can snap them into a clean four. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Me and Kurt, um, you know Kurt, Val. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, when I was really depressed, I came back from Jerusalem I spent my first semester of my senior year in Jerusalem, which was the best decision possible. But then I had to come back to my college, which in comparison to, I know people picture Indiana Jones, 
but Jerusalem's also just like a really fun city. Yeah. Um, it, so it was like living in a city. Mm-hmm. There were bars, and I was drinking age, and there were restaurants, and literally a bazaar that you could walk through, and you could wow. buy stuff. It was so fun, and know the shopkeepers. So it was like life at a new level. Then I came back to my school, and it felt like this, What what is this? This mm-hmm. like homogenized, pasteurized, sterilized, like non-existence. There's a shake, there's a snack shack that's like open till nine or something <laughs> that you can get a burger that sucks. There was just nothing to do, and I was so sad. Mm. And the way that I dealt with that, it was actually anger and depression both. I was like sort of mad that I was still there. I couldn't wait to start my real life. Mm. That motivated the decision to get married in a big way too. Mm. Uh, let's just get married so I can go to Chicago and live. Yeah, uh, and like start. I'm done pretending. I'm done being a kid. To be honest, like yeah. I just want to start being a performer. Mm. So I couldn't wait. And it was a dark time in my life, which wasn't that dark, but it was sort of dark. Um, but the kind of darkness it was was me and Kurt sat on the couch and ate Cheez-Its with Tabasco on them. Yeah. And Cheez-It is such an oily, uh-huh. it disintegrates easily, and mm. it turns into a mush really easily. Mm. And you add Tabasco to that, I mean, brother, you're in sad guy heaven. I believe that they have a Tabasco flavor now. I believe they do, too. Yeah. And I also believe that no matter how much Tabasco is on each cracker, it's not enough. <laughs> um, this one, I'm sort of... I know we don't have a lot of time because we're trying to we're going to try and get shots later. Yeah. Um, but this is Being a Riley. She says, I have so many questions. My dad passed away, and I'd love your insight about how to frame the grief. Mm. I um, Obviously, you're going to hear a lot of this, but mm. in this moment, right now, through the medium of the internet on two levels, Instagram... And this podcast, I just, I feel you and I hear you. Yeah. And, and that is not something to tie up in a bow. There, nothing I'm about to say is trying to tie that in a bow. Yeah. But one thing came to mind, Riley, which was if you enjoy these conversations and we talk about welcoming feelings in and having tea and we, and we talk about mantras and, and, and manifesting that we have been and all that stuff. Mm. My beloved Ramdas, my brother, he said quite famously when it came to grief, people would sometimes feel embarrassed like a year later that'd still be grieving. Mm. And they'd come to him as a spiritual teacher and they're like, I know I'm a soul and I know we're all one and I, whatever, whatever um, concepts had been thrown at them. Mm-hmm. that intellectually they could understand, but their heart was still broken. Mm-hmm. And they said, what do I do with that? And I love what he said. He always said, go grieve more. Yeah. He said, go grieve more. So be, if this makes any sense, be grief. It's mm-hmm. okay. Mm-hmm. Be the universe grieving, being a daughter, grieving its father. Mm-hmm. And know that it's okay. Mm-hmm. That the that the anger is okay, that the doubt is okay, that the fear, that the the anger, whatever might be coming up, feel it and know it's okay mm-hmm. to feel that. Yeah, and and try and find some support and stay connected with people mm-hmm. because you know it, it reminds me of when people choke in a restaurant. The number one way people choke in a restaurant is they get embarrassed and they go in the bathroom. Mm-hmm. 
And this is why I already do this with Lee. If she's choking, I say, put your hands up in the air. Mm-hmm. That opens up your air passages. It often solves the problem. Mm-hmm. There's also just a practice to be like, fuck that shit. Yeah. I'm choking in the restaurant. Yeah. You're going to see me choking. Yeah. You know why? Because someone will give you the Heimlich. Yeah. Don't go in the bathroom. Yeah. So don't go in the bathroom with this. Choke in the restaurant. <laughs> so we've had episodes on this podcast where we say, let your pain show. Mm-hmm. That's like, sometimes people get embarrassed when they're pursuing something and they're not good at it yet. So they retreat yeah. and maybe they're doing comedy and then they go, well, I'll do music and mm-hmm. they, and they leave comedy. I, I found this is a very trite, but it's an easier thing to talk about. I found great value in letting people see that I was sad and that I was broken and I couldn't get on stage. Yeah. And then what would happen, and I'll tell this story, every time it comes up, I went up to Nick Stevens. He ran a show uh, in Alphabet City. And I went up to him and I said, I have no credits. Mm -hmm. Everybody needed a credit. You needed to be on Letterman or something. I was like, I have no credits. Mm. I have nothing to offer you. I'm I'm just a desperate guy. I'm just trying to get on stage. And he said... You can go on next week. I couldn't believe it. Mm. But what he saw, I think, was like just like a sad guy letting his vulnerability show. I wasn't trying to manipulate him, but it was honest. I couldn't hide it. I was really running out of options. Yeah. So don't go to the bathroom. Choke in the restaurant. Mm. Grief. We don't have a good culture for grief. We don't have a lot of space for grief. Mm. I was just talking to somebody that's going through a hard time. Um, it's not a diagnosis, but it kind of feels like a diagnosis. Mm-hmm. And they were getting sad on the phone. They were crying. Mm-hmm. And I think the best thing to do is just try to give a space for that. Yeah. Like if somebody is dying, to not be, let's not add embarrassment. Oh, I don't know what to say. Mm-hmm. Let's not add that into it. Let's try, if we don't find a place for grief, if we don't find a place for loss, let's be the place for grief. Let's become the place for loss. Yeah. I, I, um, I would say I, I think that there are a lot of similarities between grief and trauma um, in that I know that opening to it uh, can feel like, well, if I open to this, it's going to completely swallow me whole. Um, and even though that isn't true at that time, in, in those moments where it feels that way, saying it's not that's not true uh doesn't always help and often often it doesn't um so yeah i would say it's it's what we talk about on this podcast so often is like you dip your toe in you will you grief arises and you say hello i see you i know you you belong here and then it might start to feel like it's going to swallow you and then you just ground you it becomes about nurturing your body wrap your body up ask your body what it needs to feel safe um nurture it like a crying child i mean grief is um especially over a loss of a loved one is going to um bring up on one side it's it's going to bring up child self child self is also mourning um, but the good thing about that is that it's pretty easy usually to access compassion for that. So just um, accessing compassion and 
uh, and grounding down. So it starts to feel overwhelming. You can notice your feet on the floor. You can smell essential oils or a candle. You can uh, just like activate the five senses, call a friend, do whatever your body is going to need to help you. And if you look at it like, I am going to help myself through this. I'm going to help my body and my heart through this. Um, you will start to find the safe space within yourself. That being said, Anne Lamott talks so often about finding salvation in intimate friendships. And that certainly is true for me. And I hope, Riley, that you have at least one person who you who you can be like I'm going to show you the whole scope of of my pain right now because the moment where somebody sees your pain and they sit in it with you like that's the most healing thing that can happen and it co-regulates your nervous system I mean there's like biological reasons that it's that it's helpful and emotional reasons and psychological reasons and it's just spiritually like what this whole thing is about. Um, mm. So I hope you have that. And then if you, if you don't, I know that there are like grief support groups and it's just like how um, people with addiction find their group in AA. I mean, like you can find people who are, are going through things uh, for support. And I wish I could think, I know there's a lot of good books on it. Uh, I will say I've read, um, Elizabeth Gilbert just like posts because she lost her beloved like a few years ago and she posted some really great things on grief so I think if you probably search Elizabeth Gilbert and grief she um, she's always a great go-to to talk about that and thank you for tr trusting us with that question um, yeah and I hope that you you uh, find people who who can help you through this? Absolutely. Yeah. That was lovely, Mama. I'm yeah. Trying to think, find a, a silly one to kind of close out on. What is the movie you quote the most? Could you be my parents? <laughs> What's the one thing you've not done as a couple that you would like to? What is your favorite meal? If you could open a restaurant, what kind of restaurant would you these open? Are, these are good questions. Yeah. Uh, what is the movie you quote? the most I the first well huh it, for you it was there would be will be blood for a long time I would say it's Glenn Gary Glenn Ross oh a hundred percent yeah duh <laughs> <laughs> um for me I I really like this might not be great I'm kind of like wondering if I should even admit it, but for the first thing that came to mind for me was Nacho Libre. <laughs> oh yeah, you've gotten me on the. It, it's such a weird movie. It gives me like such a weird feeling. I really like it when I yes. watch it. I it's can't. Not, it's, well, it's, it's also sitting, like not really appropriate. It, it, it wasn't then, and it, is, it isn't necessarily now. I, right. I, that's a whole another can of worms. But mm -hmm. like, it's it's the weird kid at the back of the bus who has milk in his thermos. Um, <laughs> and he, he doesn't smell like farts, but you know he has a liberal fart on the bus policy. Mm -hmm. And he sort of has like kind of wild hair and maybe a very thin preteen mustache. 
and uh, you don't want to sit with them, but you do, <laughs> and you end up having such a great field trip with this kid. Yeah, that's Nacho Libre. To yeah, me. I think that I think the Hess brothers were that kid. Oh, uh, this is a good one. Yeah, is it true that we marry our parents? Um, Bill Black Comedy said that. Um, Whoa, Bill's my dad's name. <laughs> that is true. Um, I think the first time I sort of was looking for the same type of experience. Same. And then the second time, I don't want to say we need to get married twice, but because I was religious, I was like, if you're in a long relationship, you should get married. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'd like to think we're getting woke in that way that yeah. we go like, wait a minute. I think it might have been more true pre-internet. Mm-hmm. We have much vaster ways of meeting people. Yeah. Pre-therapy being so normalized so we can identify the patterns yeah. that are just that. They're just patterns. Yeah. They're not really who you are. Mm-hmm. And you can go like, I know that's how love was given to me and my family. And a lot of the good stuff did come from that. Um and then a lot of stuff that I didn't want. And and I, I I don't say that to disparage my parents, but you're like, I'd sort of like to tweak these areas, but I like these areas. But I do, I just, I think it's possible yeah. to not marry your parents. I think so too, but I do think it, it takes, um, it takes like therapy and work to, to be very familiar with your patterns and, um, and to like know your parents really well because I, I, it makes just so much sense to me that you you choose the like the thing that might be painful but is familiar uh, because we're all just scared, um, or that you didn't work out the thing that you wish you could work out with your parent, so you are subconsciously seeking somebody like them so you can try to work out the thing that you right. you know. There's so many reasons I'll, I'll why. I'll marry my mom who didn't love me. This isn't me. That didn't love me properly so I can get this version of my mom to see me. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, I married somebody more similar to my my dad the first time. And I remember realizing that in the marriage and being like, oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> That's hilarious. Um, but I think my ex probably realized that. Oh really? That I might have been like some some version Friend of her, her life. I don't know if it was her parents, but something yeah. something that she thought she was supposed to want. Yeah. Um, and in some ways, you are similar to my dad. Where I've like not really. You really couldn't be more opposite from him than in most ways. But uh, but like you're a big personality. So the dynamic of of my family was. If you know the Enneagram, it w- he's an eight and the rest of us are nines. So we would just totally, uh, he was the king of the household and we would, we didn't even realize the like emotional and whatever acrobatics that we would do to try and keep him happy. He wasn't asking us to do that, but we just, in order to feel safe would, you know, whatever. Um, and Pete the only reason, the only way you are similar to that is that you are also a very big personality where you wouldn't. There are things I relate to hard about your dad. Yeah. Your dad creates, this is going to sound backhanded to myself because these are good things, mm. but he can um, create a certain gravity around mm. him. Yep. He makes things happen um, mm-hmm. for himself and for others. I know this sounds like I'm just praising myself. 
but like I see that magnanimity, magnanimity. Mm-hmm. He's magnanimous. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yep. So I, I I take that as a compliment. I can I jump to yeah. this next question? Yeah. Let's do this as the last one. Okay, because I have to pee so bad. <laughs> okay. Um, okay. So this is from Samuel K. Clark. He says, "OG Hunchback of Notre Dame." Question. There's a line in the novel that says, "He was at the age when illusions are as yet replaced by illusions." Mm. As you, and then this is his question: As you were evolving out of your originally conditioned faith, were there things that, for a time, you were like, "Now that's the stuff," only eventually to keep evolving and be like, "Meh, maybe I'll go ahead and shed this one too." I love this question. Yeah. I think it's brilliant, and I think it's a, 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 a really good reminder. And it goes back to what we were saying of going back to the humility of I don't know, mm-hmm. meaning they're all illusions. Mm-hmm. So to quote again Ramdas and Ramana Maharshi, who is not Maharaji, sometimes I thought that was Maharaji, Ramana Maharshi is another Indian saint mm-hmm. who's incredible, who I'm about to quote. Um, but he only wrote one book. It's very brief, and it'll blow your mind. Mm. It's just um, basically a, a self-exploration exercise. It's brilliant. And if you like Muji, um, Muji is basically a devotee of Ramana Maharshi. Which it's all just like self-realization. Anyway, Ram Dass always says all methods are traps. Mm. But then the real kind of hidden the pickle and the nickel is in order for methods, whether they be meditation or Christianity or Hinduism or mysticism or Sufism or whatever it might be, mm-hmm. in order for the method to work, meaning penetrate you, meaning change you, mm-hmm. you have to be trapped. Yeah. So you get trapped by them. Yeah. And that is sort of what I think you're alluding to when you get trapped by a new method. Mm-hmm. Trapped is kind of a negative word, but you get engrossed in a new method. Yeah. But it's the... the act of being engrossed that makes it effective. This is what Ramana Maharshi said about it, which I love. He goes, because what we're, you have to keep in mind what we're about, or I'll say what I'm about, and what a lot of people I know are about, is liberation. You want to be liberated. Mm -hmm. You want to wake up. Mm -hmm. You want to be free, spacious. These are the words. Not all the answers, tight, ah, know it all. That's an ego trip. You want to be free. You want to be liberated um, or awake. Um, he says it's like a fire. You're stoking the fire of your consciousness. You want to get that fire burning bright and clear so you can see. Mm-hmm. So the method is like a stick that you use to poke the fire, to move the logs around and to manipulate the flame. And then the last thing you do when you're done stoking it is you drop that stick into the fire, mm, which of cool. course is what you do when you're making a fire. You're like, I got it where I want it. Now I can drop the method. That's cool. And that is a place where I'm constantly at. I don't look at it as I'm turning my back on this or I'm not into it. In fact, it's very cyclical. Often I'll come back to that. We've seen that happening in the past year with my Christianity is really taking over my language and the way I think of things. Um, So the stick might return, but it's always about being stickless and just facing naked the fire mm-hmm. just being absolutely naked in the light of truth of being of the mystery and um yeah i don't think anybody in in the next life or whatever in the next phase is going to scan you for your method i think it's all we're going to be looking at the quality of your light yeah not to grade it or judge it i just mean that's that's the juice that's the ticket 
I love that so much. All right, you got to pee. I can tell by your face. I real. I like. I, it just happens so fast. Here, should I just do like a open to a random page in the Mary Oliver book? Is that the Mary Oliver? That's the Being Ramdas book. Oh, should we open to a random page in Being Ramdas? Um, <laughs> I'm just kidding. I don't have a poem. We don't have a poem. Sorry, guys. Beans, beans, the musical fruit. The more you eat, the more you toot. The more you toot, the better you feel. Beans, beans, with every meal. We should have played Eric Satie. That's hilarious. (laughs) Sorry for no poem, but this was a special one. I love this one. Yeah, this was great. Thank you so much for those fun questions. Yeah. And, um... Keep it. Crispy. Motherfuckers. Wish us luck. Hopefully we can get vaccinated. Yay. <laughs>